0: what's going on everybody and welcome to another edition of the weekly walk-off on the did you hear podcast part of the blue wire hustle podcast network i'm emma houghton he's pat zhang and pat as you said right before we started recording the weekly walk-off today as we focus on playoff baseball as we wind down on the lcs's how the heck did we get here (laughs)
1: how the heck did we get here we are heading into two elimination games as we record this on thursday evening so there's still a game to be played tonight but had to get this one out and it'll come out friday morning of course um wow what what a roller coaster of a series we've had honestly in both of them Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch
0: it's been crazy. I have to pat myself on the back. I do believe the socks and the Strohs have been over in every single game.
1: There you go. You did say that.
0: I actually haven't looked at the lines, but none have been below nine. So I assume that that's over. Um, I was thinking about it too. I think it's also such a shock because of the playoffs last year. And it felt like March madness almost because there were so many games and they were in the afternoon mm-hmm. and so much was happening and I think we looked at the 60 game point this season and the Mets would have been in it and the Marlins would have been in it and the Cubs might've been in it. Maybe the nationals would have been in it. So to think now, I really think we got the most talented teams. Obviously it's a bummer that the giants lost early. Obviously it's the bummer that the brewers lost the Rays, et cetera, but the talent that is being put on display every single night, there have been blowouts, but it's just such good baseball.
1: It's great baseball, as you point, and especially in the American League, it's a heck of a lot of offensive baseball that we did preview going into the playoffs. Um, but a- as you said, we know how good the Astros are. The Red Sox have really caught fire. You know the Braves; they're doing this it, again without Ronald Acuna. They're sitting here a game away from a World Series appearance, which just I think shows how talented they are. And we know about the Dodgers; that's a super team going into it. So I think you're totally right that we've got four of the most talented teams. You know, of course, it hurts for San Francisco. They're not there being how many wins, of course, they had in the regular right. season. But we've gotten a great Final Four, and I think that has shown through in both series so far.
0: Totally agree. All right, so should we start with Dodgers-Braves? Unfortunately, we're recording before Game 5, but it was just too hard with our schedules to figure it out. So the, Bru- the Braves have a chance. As you're listening to this on Friday morning, the, Bl- the Braves might have just won the NLCS against the 106 win Dodgers, which would be absolutely extraordinary. I think the Dodgers win tonight. Ooh. Do you agree?
1: I have a sneaking suspicion. The Braves closed this thing out tonight. Really? I'd, I, really?
0: Max Freed on the mound.
1: That is exactly where I was going to go. It's it's your boy. It's Max Freed's pitching for Atlanta. He has been, he's so good. And it, uh, it's just the Braves have been able to really hold the Dodgers in check for a lot of it. I mean, Trey Turner, your National League uh, batting champion, I believe is hitting 165, 167 um, in this series. It's so impressive what the Braves pitching has been able to do. We know about the offense. I mean, just yesterday, Freddie Freeman hit a home run. Uh, Adam Duvall got involved. It's been the Eddie Rosario show that I'm sure we could spend this entire podcast talking about Eddie Rosario. I've got some numbers to reference as well. It feels silly. I don't I don't want to say I'm counting out the Dodgers, but this Braves team's on a roll right now and I'm not sure I want to pick against them.
0: They finally convinced you. I felt I think like they you did. and I I think were, they did. We were married with the idea that the yep. Dodgers were going to go all the way and mm-hmm. my takeaway from watching these games is that the Dodgers are just gassed. Yeah, they, they are gassed. Be. They are, have nothing left. They're running on fumes. And one of my favorite things ever has been watching Danny Vietti on Twitter. We have him yes, this. earlier Danny. in the season, every single time one of the Braves players does something good. He writes, every single one of your favorite teams could have gotten Eddie Rosario.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that.
0: <laughs> every one of your favorite teams could have gotten Jack Peterson. Everyone could have gotten Adam Duvall. And Jorge Soler was reactivated to the NLCS roster on Thursday afternoon and we have the chance to see him on Friday on Thursday night it's insane how this happened we've talked about it ad nauseum about this remaking of the outfield and now they are literally outplaying the Dodgers the only hesitation I have as to why I think the Dodgers are going to push it to, all the way to seven is that the Dodgers were in the same exact spot last mm-hmm. year yes they were Down 3-1, the sky was falling, the offense was non-existent, the pitchers couldn't get it together, and then something clicked, and the Dodgers came alive. And I think they have a much harder time this year because of all the injuries that I think we're going to get into. But to give the Braves their flowers, their pitching is getting it done, their offense is getting it done, and most importantly, their bullpen is getting it done.
1: Their bullpen is certainly getting it done, which is is somewhere that I, I certainly wanted to look at because it's been so key for them to get to where they are I mean, AJ Minter, Tyler Matzik, uh, and Will Smith have really been the the main cogs in that, and all of them have been very, very good so far. Um, on the Dodgers, and your point about definitely you know not counting them out uh, going into Game Four, they had won 18 of their last 19 at home and had won six consecutive postseason elimination games, um, going dating back to last year, which is just incredible to even think about. So, and the Braves have really, really struggled in LA. Over the past couple of years, of course, last night, which is as we record this Wednesday night, uh, the Braves were able to break out of that. But, you know, that it's still hard to say that, you know, the the Dodgers are not going to come through here. But I think Atlanta's got something really special going. And, you know, I I have some numbers on Rosario. So I I guess here's the point where we're going with it because it's just insane. Rosario has had a hit in every single game so far this postseason. He has 14 hits in 30 at-bats, um, and then this postseason, and then in the NLCS, he is batting 10 for 17. That is a 5.88 average. Some would say that's pretty good. Approaching 600, not bad. I mean, to your point about your favorite team could have had him. You're so right. Anyone could have had him. And the impact that he's had, wow. Like too. Last year was the postseason of Randy Rosarena. It's been Eddie Rosario so far this season.
0: Oh my god, and he's not even getting any of the credit. No, that really stinks because literally my first thought was those numbers are better than Kike's. Those numbers they are, are better than which the is numbers. close
1: because Kike has been great, of course. Exactly, as
0: well. but then we've been getting this whole Kike show, which has been great. But Eddie Rosario is outplaying every single person in the postseason. He mm-hmm. literally is doing the Randy Rosarena, yeah. and this guy's <laughs> been around for however many years. It's absolutely incredible. And the fact that they can put him in the leadoff spot, too. He sets the table for the guys behind him. Freddie Freeman has finally woken up. Adam Duval is an RBI machine. He led the National League in RBIs, and this is the reason why, because the guys behind him are great. It just seems to work for the Braves in the postseason, right? Year after year, they could have waved the, right fl- the white flag. It just works for them. But can we talk about the, the Dodgers pitching woes right mm-hmm. now? And most importantly, their pitchers' decisions.
1: Mm. Yeah, Dave go Roberts. for it.
0: So the game one, we got a notification probably about five or six hours before the game started that Corey Knebel was going to be the game one starter of the yeah. NLCS.
1: We both and do you remember what you and that. I
0: said to each other?
1: I think they're overthinking it a little bit.
0: <laughs> I think the, the main sentiment was that the Dodgers were being too cute. Mm-hmm. They're starting Joe Kelly. In game five, I know. it's no longer cute. And I've reverted back to the idea that it was never cute. The Dodgers are just in the position now where they don't have the bandwidth to throw their starters out on the mound. Walker Bueller first pitched on short rest for one of the first times all season in this series. Julio Urias has pitched three times in seven days. The fact that the Dodgers are keeping this close And the fact that I think they're going to win on Thursday night is a testament to how good the rest of their roster is, Mm -hmm. because that pitching staff is just gassed. I think there was a lot of unnecessary criticism on what Dave Roberts was doing. We should we should instead be lauding what this bullpen is doing to keep this team in these games.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. The the Dodgers pitching is. It's been a talking point all, you know, all series, you know, the usage of guys like Scherzer and Bueller and Urias out of the bullpen has definitely also shorthanded where they could use these guys starting. And what's really interesting, if you look at the advanced metrics for win probability added for their pitchers so far in the series, you have negative win probability out of Scherzer, Gonsolin, Knable, Jansen, Trinan, Bueller, and Urias. I think we would say that those are all of the Dodgers best pitchers, and in this series, they've all underperformed to varying degrees. Of course, that's pretty shocking. It really is on top of shocking. If we take it on a positive route, Cody Bellinger's back or he's back for at least, at least this series, he's leading um, all hitters in the America, in the uh in the postseason right now with a 73.3 percent hard hit percentage that is insane. He also had his huge moment with the uh the big three run homer uh to help the Dodgers claw back in game and uh, game three that they did win. Um, it's been a really weird series for the Dodgers. <laughs> That's the best way that I can sum it up. And then for the Braves, they've come through with uh clutch hitting when they needed it. You had Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies. Um, I, I know I'm missing one um, as well. for that was, that was earlier in the in the series, but... Yeah,
0: I can't think of it off the top. Of my yeah,
1: head uh, uh, Eddie Rosario again. That's right with the walk-off. That's what it was. See, I've already mentioned him, so I put him out of my head there. <laughs> um, weird series is how I would go with it, but it's been a fun series to watch for for someone on the outside looking in.
0: Oh, 100%. And yes, we need to talk about Cody Bellinger. Yes. We need to give very emphatic congrats mm-hmm. to Cody Bellinger.
1: Good to see him back.
0: It's so awesome to see him back and that pitch that he swung at that it was the three run Homer. It was the second highest pitch he's ever had a home run on. Is that, was that the right stat? Do you remember? I believe so.
1: I mean, it was what a solid six inches above the strike zone. Yeah. Uh,
0: To the fact where you can't believe that he actually got the bat on it and he hit a three run Homer off of it. That's how good we're talking. Mm -hmm. That's how back he's gotten. That's how Dave, that's how smart Dave Roberts in is to continue to put him in situations where he can thrive because he has the postseason experience, as opposed to a Gavin Lux who has had some bumps along Definitely. the road. But every single game that the Dodgers have won, a large part of it has been because of Cody Bellinger. And mm-hmm. it was before the NLCS; it was the wild card game when he stole a base and he sco- scored a run. It was in the NLDS game when five. he hit that that double. Mm. Yeah, it's unbelievable what he's able to do, and he is picking up the slack for the Turners, plural, Trey and yep. Justin. Who yeah, Justin's struggled. out now, too. Justin's out. He was only hitting 118 in the postseason anyway. It's just, it's, it's remarkable to watch Cody Bellinger and to see him, maybe this is him finally healthy, right? That's what I keep thinking about. He had such a mess of a season with his shoulder and then he broke his leg. He had rib injuries. Nobody expected anything out of him. And now we're seeing the old MVP version of Bellinger again.
1: Yeah, which is great, and it's horribly, horribly needed by the Dodgers as well because you've got Mookie Betts hitting just over 200, Seegers at 200. We've talked about both the Turners like that that lineup and the Dodgers' best players as we talk about super team before. You know, the negative win probability from from their best pitchers, their best players have underperformed greatly in this series, and that is why the Braves have been able to take advantage and are sitting at three one right now. Of course, there's always the chance that those great players just turn back into themselves and can come through with some great moments. It was awesome to see Bellinger with that home run. We know Betts can come up with clutch hits, but they haven't so far. Um, And the Braves have been able to capitalize that. And the Dodgers have also let Freddie Freeman get back into things, which is definitely a little scary for them.
0: The worst thing they could have done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely the worst thing you could have done. You can deal with Eddie Rosario getting hot if you're completely shutting down Freddie Freeman but that's not what hap- That's not what's happening at all. And it's Jocktober, obviously. It is Jocktober. But those wins probability added stats are so stark. I absolutely love that you brought that up. Every Scherzer's right those, below.
1: He's like 0. 0.02 below, but it's still negative.
0: <laughs> it, it, honestly, for him, it matters even more to me too, because he's supposed to elevate to another level mm-hmm. in the postseason, And he can't do that. He can't even pitch out of the fourth or fifth inning. And I know that that's the way baseball is trending, but still, Mad Max should not be pitching only four innings in a really important game in NLCS. And it's only going to get harder for the Dodgers, even if they do win tonight, and they bring it back to 3-2 as you're listening Friday morning. Because Justin Turner went down, Mm -hmm. now you have to rely even more on Gavin Lux, who looks really shaky in center field. Alvin Pujols is getting the start on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. AJ Pollock is going to see more time. It's a conundrum. It's a really, really scary spot for a manager to be in because you got lucky once with Cody Bellinger. And it feels wrong to say that because obviously it's not luck, but Gavin Lux has really struggled. You don't want to have to count on, excuse me, Albert Pujols. AJ Pollock has been spotty. All these guys, it's it's starting to get dicey for Roberts and he's going to have to mix and match and try and get something out of his guys that he hasn't seen this entire month so far.
1: Oh, it's dicey. I mean, they're sitting there a game away. Of course, as you said, they were in the same exact position a year ago. They won three in a row. They got to the World Series, and we know what happened from there. So,
0: Right. We were saying the same things last year.
1: Will history repeat itself? I'm not convinced it will this time, Um, but Dodgers with their backs against the wall will be dangerous tonight.
0: I'm going to stick with them. All right. I think they're going to do it. I'm going to stay with my pick. I'm going to die in the Dodgers' hill. Chris Taylor's getting the start at third. I think he's going to explode. I love him. He's great he's going to to become the next Dodger in line to not get enough playing time, (laughs) get a starting spot on another team and absolutely explode in the postseason a la Jock and
1: Kike. Would not surprise me. I do think the Braves win this series. I do even think it ends tonight as we record this. If they don't close it out tonight, I do think they will finish this one out. I don't see them blowing a 3-1 lead back-to-back years.
0: All right. I like that. What's Freed's line tonight? What do you think?
1: It's Max Freed. So, you know, pitchers, actually, I had a stat lined up for this. We just hadn't gotten to it, but now you're giving me a perfect time. This that's is from uh, from our friend Hembo uh, tweeted out earlier this week that pitchers are only getting 12 outs per start so far in the, in the postseason. So that's an average of going four innings. I think Freed exceeds that tonight because it's Max Freed. How much, I'm not sure. I don't know if he's going to put in a Frambois Valdez. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) we'll discuss in a second. Uh, But I'll say five or six innings, one run from Freed.
0: Okay, that's a good line. I I think he's going to be pretty good. I like that. I I think Joe Kelly, I have no idea what the Dodgers setup is going to look like. That's where we're at right now. I have absolutely no idea what pitchers we're going to see from L.A. tonight. Joe Uh Kelly... Gonzolin, maybe is that who the setup man is supposed to be?
1: Maybe. <laughs> the The fun part too is we don't know what type of Joe Kelly we're going yeah. to get tonight, which is also a lot of fun.
0: The mariachi version, <laughs> the pouty lip version, the yelling at Carlos Correa version. Yeah, they are a lot. they are a lot. We miss him in Boston. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm sure. Want to get to Boston then?
0: Yeah, let's let's shift there. You started it off with Framber Valdez. I think you have to you have to give him his flowers. I think he became. This is off the top of my head the first pitcher to go eight plus innings with one earned run or less at Fenway since 1998
1: in the postseason. That's incredible. And on top of that, too, first pitcher this postseason to go eight innings. Again, showing you how few innings pitched we really are getting from starting pitching, starting pitchers this postseason. I mean, wow, that was a crazy performance for them. Uh, the last two games for Houston have been pretty crazy.
0: The Astros were sitting ducks. Mm-hmm. Sitting six
1: outs ducks. away from, uh, from what three, one lead, right. For yep. Boston. Yep.
0: Yep. And I think you can take it back even further to when Luis Garcia got through one batter in the second inning of game two came out. Now the Astros are down Lance McCullers, Jr. And Luis Garcia, arguably their two best pitchers. If you want to throw Framber Valdez in there, two of their best three pitchers. And the Red Sox were the hottest offense on the planet. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. it's been a combination of Red Sox fundamental issues, Cora's bad decision-making, and the Astros showing why they are the deepest offense in baseball. Not the hottest, the deepest and the most consistent. And that's why they've been able to turn this series on its head. And now they get to return home with two more games. I still think it goes seven. But the way they've been able to shift the momentum to go back to Minute Maid, which I think is an absolutely nasty park to play at, has been horrible to watch for me. I'll be honest, (laughs) horrible to watch, but so much offense in these games. Oh, my
1: God. Oh, you talk about offense. The Astros have scored 62 runs through their first nine postseason games. That is second most all time only five behind the 99 Red Sox, who scored 67 in that span. I mean, as you said, this offense is so unbelievably deep. It it feels like it's a different guy that has the potential to beat you every single night. But one guy that seems to always come through in those moments is Jose Altuve, and just has to be mentioned for him at this point. He had his 21st career postseason home run. Uh, in the last game, that broke a tie with Derek Jeter for the third most home runs in postseason baseball history. That's not a, an exaggeration. That is not a typo. Jose Altuve has the third most home runs in baseball in playoff baseball history with 21, only trailing Bernie Williams and Manny Ramirez. Now, I mean, that's a stat that'll blow your mind because I don't think he exactly comes to mind when you think of prolific home run hitters, but. In the clutch, in the postseason, he always seems to come through. Even though he's hitting, I think 150 in this series against. The yeah, Bulldogs.
0: right. Yeah. It's the hits that matter, right? Mm-hmm. It's the the game tying home run. It's the momentum shifting home run. It's the momentum shifting grounder up the middle that he's able to beat out. Our short king, right? The that's five, right. Six Altuve, love that. Uh,
1: that makes me feel good. That's for sure. <laughs> uh,
0: Altuve has been unbelievable. It, it's very short and sweet. What I really get a kick out of what you just said is I thought you were going to say Jordan Alvarez.
1: And that's the... I have more stats on him too, but...
0: (laughs) You could have said Jordan Alvarez. You could have said Yuli Gurriel, who you could argue has been the most dangerous hitter Mm -hmm. in the Astros lineup this series. (laughs) American League batting champion. Right? At 37 years old, Kyle Tucker's been a little bit inconsistent. Okay, yeah. Yeah, not as great as we would have hoped. They've pretty much silenced Bregman and they've pretty Mm -hmm. much silenced Brantley. You would think... If you were writing up the the uh, scouting report for how to beat the Astros, those would be two of the biggest names that you would have to cross out. Completely eliminate them, limit Altuve to a 150 batting average, and you might just be okay. And instead, the Astros now have a 3-2 lead going into minute need. It's basically what I wanted to talk about is – how good their offense is because they don't chase. Mm -hmm. We mentioned when we were talking about the Chicago series, the biggest advantage that the Chicago starters had was that they threw a lot of junk and got a lot of swing and misses and the Astros hitters are too disciplined for that. Mm -hmm. So then you go to the bullpen and the bullpen's best or best advantage was that they threw a really high velocity and the Astros hit fastballs better than anybody in the league. So that takes that advantage away. It's the same exact thing for the Sox. They were able to chase Chris Sale twice because they can't, they don't swing out of the zone. So you are forced to throw them strikes and they hit balls out of the park. It is really so simple when you think about it like that. They just beat you because no matter what you throw at them, they either take it, force you to pitch them a strike, or you make a mistake and it's out of the ballpark in their winning
1: games. Yeah, no, you're so right. And, and a lot of it too, for Boston has fallen on that their best pitchers have not really performed same similar to the Dodgers, you know, there with Nathan Evaldi, of course, you know, a lot of it came, came late, but seven runs given up so far in the series uh, sale got touched up with the one bad inning that he referred to uh, Garrett Whitlock. Who's been great. This postseason got touched up by Altuve with that home run. It, that's really hurt them, you know, on, on sale and Alvarez I think it's so interesting because Alex Cora, of course, has gotten so many plaudits and absolutely deserves them as they only lost back-to-back postseason games for the first time um, as he's been manager. But I know a lot goes into kind of the, the decision that let Sale face Jordan Alvarez in that sixth inning. Sale has some really interesting splits where he would usually dominates lefties. He's held them to a 339 OPS, while righties destroy him almost a 900 OPS, which is crazy to think about with Chris Sale. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, of course, a lefty, but slugs 580 against lefty since he came into the league. Those numbers are from Ken Rosenthal um, and Alvarez was able to, you know, to get to him and, and come through with a big RBI there. I'm not on the crush Cora train that I think I've seen a little bit of for, for decisions. I, I think he's, you know, of course, he's been so amazing for the Red Sox, but you know, sa- sale against Alvarez there was, was a tough, a tough matchup.
0: It's not fair. No, it's not. Those numbers. Yeah. Right. It's not fair how good he is. So I actually am on the crush. Court. Are you
1: interesting? Yeah. Okay. And I
0: I still believe he's a top three manager mm-hmm. in the league, if not higher than that. I'm not asking for his head. I want him to stay in Boston forever. Obviously, I'm still there. But he has made some very questionable, if not detrimental bullpen decisions. hmm I don't know if Sale Alvarez is the perfect example of this, because what bullpen arm do you want do in you that feel situation? Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Besides Whitlock, and you're not going to use them in that situation. So I'm fine with that. The one that really sticks out to me, and if they lose this series, I'm going to have a really hard time forgetting, is down by a run after I believe it was Altuve's home run. Or maybe Altuve hit the game tying home run, and there was another run afterwards. Basically the Red Sox were down one run and Cora goes to Martin Perez Mm -hmm. in the top of the ninth inning with a chance to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth Mm -hmm. with an offense that was so hot at the time. And this is funny. I'll say it as a fan. I had confidence that the Red Sox were going to walk it off in the ninth. That's where I was as a fan thinking that, and I'm relatively pessimistic. For Cora to throw the game in that way and put Perez in there, who has never once been a high leverage reliever, who has mm-hmm. never once gotten out of a big jam, who has arguably not deserving to be on the roster. I think we're there. He, he's not great. We don't want any part of him. To put him in, to throw the game that way, and to act like they're seeding the loss just because they're down one with an offense that was as hot it was, as it was was a really, really tough pill to swallow.
1: And I think that's fair. And the other part of that is that I think as you mentioned it too, we're trying to figure out like where to use Whitlock and such. I don't think there's a huge confidence in a lot of his other arms to go to. I mean, we saw Evaldi come in in the ninth and of course got lit up there as well. I think that's shown that that has been the Achilles heel here with Boston in the postseason. And when you're facing a lineup as disciplined as the Astros – deep as the Astros and as dangerous as the Astros they're going to hit you once you get to your bullpen and it's just been killer once that Red Sox offense cooled off which happened after I believe game three Mm -hmm. um, just they haven't been able to keep pace with Houston's ability to put damage in once that pen comes in
0: yeah and I think it was the progression I'm getting all the games jumbled in my head now I think it was Whitlock Evaldi Perez does that I, sound right I'm to you? I'm trying
1: to remember, too. Yeah, because um, this
0: was the game with the call, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if Evaldi yes, had gotten yes. the call, facing Castro, arguably, right? Yep, they yep. would have gotten out of the inning. And that's when uh, Cora transitioned. My thought, honestly, you give up the homer to Altuve, keep Whitlock in there. We're at a point where I, I feel like the Red Sox are putting trust in the wrong relievers. And a lot of people's reactions were, uh, why, if not Perez, who else? And mm-hmm. the first person probably would have been Ryan Brazier who I've never been high on, who has had a good season. And he absolutely exploded on Wednesday (laughs) night and gave up a ton of runs. So you never know. These are the decisions that are obviously going to be debated the way that we're debating them. And it's 2020 hindsight, but it was just such an attitude shift that I don't see from Cora because to put Perez in a game means it is no longer a competitive game Mm -hmm. and a one run game against the Astros with the Sox offense is nowhere near a non-competitive game in my eyes.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it's fair. It's, it's tough to argue with. Um, right. it, it, it comes down to a lack of, of trustworthy options for him. Um, yep. It, it's blown up.
0: And it's amazing how quickly the wheels fall off, too, right? Yes. Because the bullpen starts imploding. The the Red Sox are going back to making defensive errors. Schwarber can no longer play a competent first base. Renfro can no longer be a competent bat in the lineup. Yeah. The wheels just—that's the only phrase I have for it. The wheels fall off very quickly, and then the momentum shifts into the Houston's favor, and they're able to put nine runs on the board two games two games in a row.
1: The positive is, you know, there's a lot of talented guys in that Red Sox offense. We know that Devers and and Hernandez have been out of this world this postseason and have been very good in this series as well. I believe both are hitting over three fifty. It's just. When you go up against that Astros team and that lineup and, and how they can hurt you in so many ways, when you make mistakes, it's hard to overcome them against a yep. team that deep. And exactly.
0: What did you think of the call, by the way?
1: I thought it was a strike. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a blatant strike because of missed his spot by a lot. And so the mm-hmm. umpire sees, you know, the, the catcher moving over. And I think that's probably what, what really influenced the call there. It's tough. It is.
0: I thought it was a strike. Yeah. Do I think that the Red Sox, they they ended up scoring seven runs after that. You know, so if it had been one thing, I think I would have had a different sentiment towards it. I have a bigger problem with just how badly officiated that game was. Mm -hmm. That umpire was... Flat out terrible, and I, I really don't say that too often. But he had so many missed calls, I think it was 23, which is the most we've had in this postseason. Twenty three. I remember, I remember seeing it
1: on Twitter in the morning. Yeah, it's
0: that's really tough, that really changes the game.
1: And it wasn't Angel Hernandez, I believe it was Laz DS. <laughs> <know.
0: Las> <laughs> yeah. We have a couple culprits there. All right, so my question is. We're talking about how the Red Sox don't have any trustworthy relievers. Mm -hmm. And on the Dodgers side, we're talking about how they don't have enough arms. That's kind of where we are right now. They don't have enough starters to eat innings. And that's why all these guys are running on fumes. What's the answer? Because Andrew Friedman seemingly made the best move in baseball history Mm -hmm. when he went out at the deadline and got Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. I was thinking about how I was going to word this they are arguably two of the top 10 or 15 players in the league. Mm-hmm. Not just two of the best players in baseball. Max Scherzer is definitely on that list. And you could argue that Trey Turner is one of the most valuable players in baseball. He went out and got them that put the Dodgers in another hemisphere and they're still struggling. So what's going to do it? Is it just, I'm starting to come to the realization that maybe it's more luck than everything else. It just in the postseason. There aren't enough games for it to be a full sample size. Some teams get hot, mm-hmm. injuries get in the way, but what's going to do it? What more did Andrew Friedman need to do to put this team in a position to win? And they might not win.
1: Uh, listen, you're right. Um, it, we looked at it and when we talked about the Dodgers and what you know scared everyone was their pitching depth and what we looked at and saying, well, they can throw out their Scherzer, Bueller, Urias, and good luck beating that. Mm-hmm. The problem is behind it and <laughs> being able to get have fine guys and given it now they have some really good bullpen arms kenley jansen of course has been really revitalized this year blake trying is is still really filthy to face but you know there's not a lot of guys that you trust to give you multiple innings i know tony gonsolin's really been that guy for them in the past i don't think friedman did anything wrong here right. i I really think it's more circumstances and more the fact that this Braves team is just absolutely on fire right now. And their bullpen is coming up big every time they need it. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of just boils down to that. You're definitely not wrong when you talk about luck and small sample size.
0: I feel the same way. And I think, I don't know if I went as far to say that the Red Sox had the bullpen advantage against the Astros, but I was more confident in the best Red Sox relief relievers than I was with the best Astros reliever. And that's mm-hmm. basically just one guy. It's Ryan Presley. It's Presley. Yeah. All these guys have come together, right? Christian Javier has been so good. Ryan Stanek's been so good. Brooks Raley has been so good. Kendall Graveman, you mentioned him mm-hmm. in the series, the reviews and previews. Sometimes guys just have it. And sometimes they don't. And that could change from the beginning of a series to the end of the series, which is what's happening to the Sox right now. But it's unbelievable to watch how this happens and No matter what you do, no matter how well coached you are, no matter how many stars you have on your team, you can sometimes just get outplayed in a seven-game series. And it's kind of, that's kind of a depressing sentiment. I don't want it (laughs) to end on that and like, oh, it's luck, whatever. I don't think Frank Friedman is regretting the trade at all. But it didn't push them over the edge like everyone thought it was going to.
1: As of right now. Who knows? Right. Right. <laughs> Next As week right we record True. they True. win three in a row. We'll see what happens. But I'm, of course, up against the wall. Yeah, it's I don't know. Trey Turner's in 160 too, yeah. remember in this NLCS. So that, that's of course just not coming through when they need them right now. It's baseball. That's you know. that's the simplest way I can put it. It's baseball. There are ups, there are downs, and it's which teams can really ride those ups on their way to closing out series.
0: We didn't give our predictions for Red Sox Astros at this point. I didn't want
1: to, to give you mercy there. (laughs) Um, I can't see Houston losing with what we've seen so far. I do think they close it out in six. uh, If it goes, yeah. And if it goes to a seventh, I think they win there. Do you still have hope?
0: I still have hope. I think it's going to be Astros in seven, but I think the way I said it at the beginning still rings true. I, I think it's illogical to doubt what the Red Sox have done mm-hmm. and to think that it's in any way a fluke or lucky, going back on what I just said, their offense has the talent. They just mm-hmm. need to shore things up. They are beating themselves. Truly, they are beating themselves. And I really hope, I, we don't have to get too in the weeds here, but I mentioned how Renfro, how bad Renfro is. I really hope that that doesn't make Cora make an irrational or brash decision. And you could go back and forth because Renfro has been so bad for the entire season, entire postseason, excuse me, that Bobby Dahlbeck deserves some at-bats. Hmm. But I don't know if it's smart to give the second year or really the rookie Bobby Dahlbeck serious high leverage at-bats against In the an Astros. elimination game? Exactly. At minute Wade yeah. Park. Come on. I don't know if that's, I don't think Core is going to do it, but those are the rumblings right now. And do you move Schwarber to left field so you can put Bobby at first and you move that's a dangerous game? It's a lot of changing things when they've just had a few games. Let's not overreact. Let's not blow the roof off the place and completely redo everything. What do you what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I would be very hesitant to move Schwarber around. There's a reason they play him at first base. They're trying to hide the defense a little bit, even though (laughs) we know it's it's, still showing. It's Exactly. it, It will still show through. I think that there's a balance to strike between changing things up. I, Renfro's been terrible. like mm-hmm. he, He's been awful. So th- that would be a move I'd be more inclined to look at. I have more faith in Kyle Schwarber being able to come through and hit you a big home run um, if you, you know sneak him in the lineup. I know he hasn't been great in this series post-game two pretty much um, as well. But I'm with you that I don't think you blow the whole thing up kind of in a total reactionary type mode.
0: Yeah. I mean Tanner Houck hasn't pitched, I think since game two. There are some pieces that haven't been put in play yet. It's almost like the Red Sox haven't played their final card, mm-hmm. but time is definitely running out.
1: Time's yeah, exactly time is
0: definitely running out. No. And the, the the last thing about Cora is that he also tried to be a little cute at the beginning by pitching sale one in five. That's true. Because the reason why he did that was to give the bullpen more flexibility. Because if you put Sale game two, and he only gets through three or four, which is kind of his MO right now, which nobody expected, then you can have Houck pitch a bulk game. Or you can have Pavetta pitch a bulk game. And if you do that in game two, then you lose flexibility game four, five, six, with with all those games back-to-back at Fenway. He chose to go Chris Sale game Mm -hmm. one. And that was the game the Red Sox lost. It's not because of Chris Sale. It's also because the Red Sox hitters seem to go completely quiet in games that he starts, and to leave ten runners on on base and scoring position. But it's just there's nothing better than managerial decisions in postseason baseball. That's <laughs> what I, I'll leave it on that. There's nothing more
1: away. scrutinized than managerial exactly. decisions it in is postseason so
0: baseball. Fascinating to mm-hmm. watch how these managers think, and every single one gets scrutinized because baseball will come down to a strike call. Giants fans are still talking about whether what, what Wilmer Flores went or not.
1: He did, Red Sox fans way, are but...
0: always going to talk about if that call call should have been a strike. It's just how it is. It's just how postseason baseball is.
1: It is, and to your point too on managerial decisions, it's something that you get hung up on for years. So you talk right? about, Med fan, I still think about Matt Harvey coming out to pitch the ninth inning of Game Five against the Royals. It's a you know Rosenthal made the uh, the comparison with Chris Sale coming out to pitch the 6th do Don't think it's exactly the same thing, but I get the point that he was going at. These managerial decisions. I mean, a lot of people like to downplay the role of the manager in baseball. And I get that they do it during the regular season, 162 games. Once you get to the postseason, and all these decisions are basically life and death, you need a top-notch guy in Mm -hmm. your dugout. And I I think we see it year after year, how important that is.
0: That's what separates you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's why Mike Schilt was fired because of, philosophical differences i can't right? wait to hear the full story on that <laughs> that it's was going the turn
1: it's gonna be great when we hear the full story there but yeah i do
0: believe it's life and death and then it also comes down to umpires because ray's fans will not be forgetting the hunter renfro caroming into the stands anytime no. soon
1: no but bring on the robot ump for strike zone uh please you think that I'm all for that, but (laughs) I know that's a big topic. That could be a whole other podcast.
0: Yeah, I think it's got a lot of a long ways to go. Yeah, but it's it makes my head hurt in a good way. How much thinking goes on in these games? Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it.
1: Absolutely. And we'll see how much thinking goes on through the end of these two series as well. So almost there. We're almost at the World Series. Uh, It's been awesome to follow. We've had two great series and I'm sure we'll see some fireworks here as both teams try to close it out.
0: Yeah, I hope they go both go seven. For I do, our too. Sake.
1: I do, too. It'll be more fun if it goes seven anyway. Totally. So sweet. All right. That will do it for us here on the Did You Hear podcast weekly walk off edition. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating as well and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. We are walking off into the weekend and championship series weekend, moving into the World Series next week. And Emma, that's a wrap.